Hi, this is Sensei James Leonelli from Sensei's Weekly Mindset, and I'm here to talk to you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. Don't forget my personal favorite, MMA. We've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, we can help you find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget Bet Online for NHL, boxing, golf, and like I said, my personal favorite, the sport of MMA. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Life isn't always easy, and you don't have to face it alone. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you have access to a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of needs. To get started, you simply answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's most convenient for you. The best part is, if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price, all from the comfort at home. To start your journey and to get 10% off of your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash sensei. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash sensei. BetterHelp, you deserve to be happy. Hi guys, Sensei James Leonelli here to talk to you about another one of our sponsors, LMNT, an electrolyte drink mix. Each one of these little packets gives you exactly what you need to keep you as hydrated as all us athletes like to be. If you're like me, you work out a lot, and when you work out a lot, you also sweat a lot. Now, when we sweat, we don't lose just water, of course. We also sweat out salt. We sweat out electrolytes. So each one of these packets contains 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, giving you everything that you need in order to maintain optimal hydration and nothing that you don't. So to go online, place an order for your sample pack, and to get yourself a bonus free sample pack, you're going to go to this website right here, elementallabs.refr.cc slash James Leonelli. You're going to see this down in the video below, but I'll say it one more time for you, elementallabs.refr.cc slash James Leonelli. Again, it's a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing that you don't. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sensei's Weekly Mindset. I'm Sensei James Leonelli, owner and head instructor of Tiger Shulman's here in Smithtown. Once again, I am back in my home recording space, ready to give you guys a little more food for thought and talk about this week's mindset. Now, we are in the shadows of Flex Fights 27, Invasion of the Body Catchers, which was an absolutely fantastic show. 
Um, we did a couple of things what we've never done before. We did a couple of things in ways we've never done them before. So I want to break all that down and then talk about one of the lessons that I learned in this process. Of course, you see I'm wearing a little bit more of the everyday that we train, the everyday we train line from tiegear.com. I'm not sure what's up with the lettering and the lights, but it doesn't look like that. I promise you. <laughs> At any rate, uh, <laughs> check it out, tiegear.com. Other than that, my friends, so getting back to Flex Fight Series. Uh, so we had a cool concept this time of in Invasion of the Body Catchers. We always have a pretty cool concept. The one we're cooking up for October, even better. I'll get to that a little bit later. Nonetheless, uh, so Invasion of the Body Snatchers theme. So aliens, men in black was a big thing. So it was kind of my idea. I powdered it out on social media. Hey, guys, we should do a men in black theme for the staff. Uh, and we really took that to the nth degree. You know, every guy, every guy in a you know black suit, black shirt, and black I'm sorry, white shirt, black tie, the sunglasses. I had the neuralizer. I'm not gonna pretend I didn't use it on the broadcast a couple times. Check it out; it should be awesome. Um, nonetheless, my friends, uh, that was in preparation for the theme of the show, which all you know, it also changed some things with how we did the walkout because we wanted the abducted by aliens feel. We did some stuff a little bit different than we normally do so with the setup of the venue when you walk in there's a big open space in front of you that is the, the general admission area that's where all the standing room is uh, and then that goes forward to there's the two balconies one a little higher one a little lower and the one balcony and the other balcony are vip seating then you go down a couple of stairs and you're into the cage that's where like the dance floor is because beyond that is the music stage and there's seating on the stage so what they did differently this time. Normally the fighters walk from the back area behind the front door and they walk out through that open area all the way down the stairs into the cage. And it gives a nice long walk out, theatrical in front of LED screens, uh, this out and the other. But again, we wanted to, in, to really embrace that alien theme, that idea that we, um, that we were at, you were being abducted by aliens, right? We wanted that, that, uh, that whole theme. So because of that, what we did a little bit differently is we took the fighters and ran them around the stage, put some of the back rooms on the other side. So that way they would come through the middle of the stage to the, the walkout and laser lights and a spotlight was there. And it was, it was a different experience and it created its own unique challenges as changing anything always does. And then on top of that, uh, we, we also had something else that we shifted. Normally we do all our preliminary card, then we do all of our main card. So well, we were running into very frequently because this is a frequent thing that happens in regional MMA is I bought the ticket to come see my friend fight or my teammate fight or somebody that I, you know, somebody else's friend that I know fight. And I stay for as long as it takes to get to their fight and then their fight is over and I leave. So obviously your biggest ticket sellers are typically your main event. So what we had in our last show back in August was we had a fantastic main event from Tiger Shulman's Melissa Static Balak versus Italo Zarco, one of the best women's fights we've ever had in the Flex Fights cage. It was, you know, it had a little bit of everything really back and forth, um, really great. And then because of where that fight took place in the card and the fact that some of the big ticket sellers, the other big ticket sellers on the card or some of the other bigger ticket sellers um, were pushed earlier on the card, that main event happened in front of a very small portion of the crowd comparatively. So we opted this time to do a preliminary card of a certain number of fights. Then we did the main card. 
And then after the main card, we did a bunch of post limbs, five or six fights of guys who were basically debuting. Most of the guys in the fights, uh, fighting in the post limbs, had no experience or they had one or two fights. So they're very new in their career. And that was a perfect showcase for them. Not as much of a crowd, not as much, uh, not, not as many eyes on them. Um, energy a little bit different. Um, and they still got their moment in the sun. They still got to do their walkouts. They still got announced by everybody. You know, we still did commentary for them and so forth. So all of that stuff was still there for them, which was nice. However, um, it what it did is it made some of those guys who normally would have not had to sit around and be nervous for longer, made them sit and be nervous for a little longer and also shifted the time frames for certain teams. You know, certain teams had guys on all three parts of the card. So because of that, they had to be there all day. <laughs> and that obviously was something they weren't necessarily accustomed to. Um, so with the, the changes, a few different things played out exactly as we thought them, they would, exactly as we thought they would. The uh, post-liminary card, the crowd was a little smaller. We anticipated that. But that meant that the main card, the main event, and like those fights around the main event had the biggest crowd, the biggest pop, the biggest energy, which was exactly what we wanted because those were the feature matchups. Um, you know, we had a couple of really great fights. One that stands out in my mind, Brian Guerrero versus Mo Muhammad. We had an East Coast title unification bout uh, for our featherweight kickboxing title. And man, oh man, these guys went to absolute war. It was an awesome fight. It was one of those fights where one guy would win for a few minutes, for like a few moments, I should say. And then the other guy would win for a few moments. And then that guy would win for a few moments. And then that guy would win for a few moments. And I found myself as a person sitting there watching the the fight cage side, I'm like, man, I am so not envious of the judges, like at all, not even a little bit, because I really feel like I needed like one of those things that a baseball coach has to count the pitches. I felt like I needed that in order to be able to count out, you know, who was winning this, you know, who landed this many more strikes. I felt very, it, anytime the tide would swing in one guy's favor for a little while, it would then go back in the other guy's favor for a little while. And I just kind of kept bouncing around like that. And it was a super great, very competitive fight. Um, and it's funny because one thing that, sometimes fight fans get confused by and they're like wait a second if a fight is close shouldn't all the scorecards be very similar and i i, I disagree sometimes the, the the cards should be very similar right because sometimes the way, reason the fight is very close is because it's three rounds and uh you know one guy wins one round and one guy wins another round and then the third round is up for grabs that's happened plenty of times um or it's fights like just happened with valentina shevchenko and her opponent's name right in my head uh Alexa Grasso. And, you know, there was, okay, this round is clearly for this person. This round is clearly for this person. And then there's one round in flux. Um, or there's a couple rounds in flux, but then you still get bad judging. Like we got in that fight, but I digress. Um, this was one of those fights where every round, I was like, I don't, I don't know who won that round. <laughs> like I, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable saying, because I, when I'm watching as a commentator, I'm not watching as critically as I would if I was judging. It's a different type of watching. I'm, I'm looking for things a little bit differently. I'm looking to break down the action for the people at home. And because of that, I don't necessarily see things through the same lens that a judge sees them. And therein lies the problem. I, the, the judge, uh, you know, I'm not able to communicate to the people at home in a fight like that. Well, I think this guy definitely won. And that was the thing. One of the, one of the uh, other commentators asked me, all right, put you on the spot. Who do you think won that fight? 
And I said to him, like, I'm not comfortable making that decision. I'm like, because I, if I, if I were judging the fight, I'd be watching differently. I'm like, and I would write down at the end of every round who I thought won the round. Like, and I didn't do that. So now I'd be, I'd be polluted by recency bias. He's like, all right, fair enough. Okay. But just a spectacular fight. And all three of the scorecards were different. They were all in favor of the same guy, but they were all different in terms of how many rounds they felt he won. If I recall correctly, one judge thought he won uh, one, uh, three out of five. Another judge thought he won four out of five. And yet the other judge thought he won five out of five, which just speaks to how closely contested this fight was. Again, this guy had a moment, then this guy had a moment. And it was two super skilled guys, super young in their career. They really, really showed up and their skills looked fantastic. I was honored to be calling the fight. And I, I made a, a point to be able to speak to both guys after the fight uh, in a post-fight interview because they deserved it with the effort that they put out. They really, really did. Um, and that was just our co-main event of the evening. I'm sorry, our, our, our second, our, our middle match of the main card. Our co-main event of the evening, uh, Tommy Cox, decorated wrestler. He had that viral moment that we talked about where uh, his opponent's cup fell out. Uh, that was Tommy Cox was always on, we'll call it the right side uh, of that viral clip where he's standing there like hoping to fight this guy and the guy's cup keeps falling out. At any rate, so Tommy bounced back off of that in right into this fight. And he got a real nice test uh, from, a, from a gentleman from Carnicella MMA, a guy by the name of Isaiah Ice Torres. And it's funny, um, it, was, it was what many people would deem an upset because Tommy Cox was a very decorated wrestler and Isaiah beat him on the ground with a submission. I wouldn't call it as much of an upset because of the way that Isaiah Torres caught the submission. It wasn't like he caught Tommy sleeping. It wasn't like he, um, you know, it wasn't like it was bad technique. It wasn't, not, there was nothing Tommy did wrong. It was what Isaiah did right. And he stole, he, he I don't say stole it, that implies that, that he wasn't winning the fight, but he didn't win the first round. And then he came back and he found a way to win in the second round. And that heart that Isaiah showed was tremendous. And it was really funny because you know, they must call him ice because he came out for a fight and he's ice cold. He's like, his energy is down. He's, he's like kind of serial killer-esque in that, that like calm, uh, down, down energy demeanor. Whereas after the fight, he's bouncing around like a maniac. I'm like trying to get my hand on him to like hold him in place to do the post-fight interview. And he's just, he's just a ball of energy. Uh, and it was, it was a really interesting dichotomy of energy. Um, he had some great things to say post-fight. Then, uh, main event of the evening, Devin Worth making a very quick turnaround, just one at our card in August, fighting yet again, defending the title he won in August um, against a pretty game opponent. and won Michael Bruno. Michael entering the fight undefeated, 3-0, 14 years uh, of wrestling in his back pocket, a Greco-Roman All-American. And it's funny, like, on paper, this looked to me like this was going to be a real nice test for Devin Worth because... The only time I really saw Devin Worth, uh, quote unquote, like collegiate wrestle, shooting double legs and that kind of stuff, I saw in his last fight where he was fighting a guy with mainly a striking background who was coming up a weight class. And um, even still, though Devin shot a double leg, where he did his best work wrestling wise was in the clinch, chest to chest. And that would be the strength of someone with a Greco-Roman background. So I was interested to see, since I felt like from what I've seen from Devin, that's where he tends to excel. That's where he does really good work. I wanted to see, okay, now now we're, we're going to have a real accurate measuring tool of how 
Devin stacks up so with this level of background and Devin passed the test with flying colors he really did um he, he sh showed up for the fight um he's always it's funny he's always so calm and cool and collect um 24 year old kid he's fought a bunch you know this this was his eighth mma fight i want to say he has like 15 kickboxing bouts so he's fought a lot and it's very old hat to him you know i'm talking to him at the weigh-ins and i see him around town all the time so he and i chat quite often but he was just as calm and composed as he could be and uh you know his last opponent he took a little bit of uh, an offense to because his opponent uh came up in weight apparently was drinking right at the weigh-ins and like not not a good scene so this time I'm like no no this guy strikes me as someone who's in it who's about it and he goes oh we'll see how he's about how about it is when he gets punched in the face i was like I understand what you're saying. However, I'm more talking about you got a serious opponent here in front. He goes, ah, I know what you mean. I was just being. Him. But like I said, pretty low key guy most of the time. Not much of energy. Even post fight, when I'm interviewing him, he's just still just chill. Just put, like you know, you wouldn't just think he went through a war. But you know, he got tested. He got taken down. The guy had some dominant position on him. Devin threw up some really nice looking submission attempts. Uh, that an arm bar that was very close at certain points. Michael was defending it well, um, and. Uh, then come second round, Michael right again tries to press the into Devin. Um, again, don't press me on a scorecard for the first round. I wasn't really watching that way. But um, in terms of the uh, the second round, Michael Bruno comes out again, looking to to put the pressure on Devin Worth and um, shoots a takedown that's not the greatest takedown for MMA. Devin takes real quick advantage, takes his back, and from there, it's moments later until the fight is over. Uh, so great performance from, from Devin Worth. Uh, great pop from the crowd, as always, when he walks out. And he always walks out to Shook Ones Part 2. So I've had it stuck in my head for days. Thank you, Devin. Uh, but I digress. And I want to, now that we've talked about the, the wonderful experience that was Flex Fights 27 and the things that we've learned uh, coming from it and the things that we're going to use to continue to improve. And some of that's behind the scenes, which we'll continue to do um, you know, at Flex Fights. But then looking ahead, uh, Looking back, I say one of the things that I really took from the weekend. We had three Team Tiger Showman's fighters in the card. We went two and one, uh, and one of the fighters in the card, I got to speak to him about why it was he chooses to fight in the ring because he's an accomplished guy. You know, he's a black belt in our system, been around for a great many years. He's a very good instructor. I run. He's part of a very good school. He's very well respected. So, you know, why does a guy like that choose to fight? And what he said to me really spoke to me. He goes, I have to practice what I preach. I tell my students twice a year, you should do the tournament. You should do the challenge of champions because the challenge of champions is going to make you nervous. It's going to make you feel fear. It's going to give you anxiety that you're going to have to work through. And if I'm not willing to put myself through the fire, if I'm not willing to have a goal to prepare for, if I'm not willing to step up under the light, so to speak, what kind of hypocrite am I? And it really spoke to me because the idea of facing that fear, the idea of not being hypocritical, hypocritical is an extraordinarily important part of life. Right? Obviously kind of twofold that we've talked a lot about leading by example. We've talked a lot about how you never know who's watching and why it's so important that you live your life the way you'd want to inspire others to do so. Because like I said, you're going to whether you want to or not, but more importantly, what uh, what I took from it is the facing fear aspect. And that is such a huge and important idea for life in general, because in life in general, so much of what you're after, 
so much of what you want, so much of the goals and the aspirations and so forth that you have lie on the other side of a comfort zone. They lie on the other side of fear because we are going to be afraid many times in life. Some of them are going to be things where there's legitimate fear in front of them, right? Oh, I don't want to go on this roller coaster and it intimidates me. Okay. We know it's a fairly safe thing, but nonetheless, right? it's still going to be something that intimidates you. It's still something that creates fear and anxiety. And I get it. And we're going to face those things many a times in life. And then there's the things that just have nervousness attached to them. Right? I proposed to my wife in front of our entire family. Like I, everybody at the party except her knew I was going to do it. And there was like 50 people there. And they're all watching and they'll do the moment I was going to do it. So did that moment make my heart get pumping? A hundred percent. You know, and again, is it like a make or break? Am I going to get in some kind of fisticuffs altercation? No, but there's still an anxious moment. There's still psychological fear there. And that is something that we as human beings face on a perpetual basis. Fear is a huge deterrent for people to start doing the things they want to do. In other words, I have people all the time who I see, you know, looking in or they're a parent and they're watching adult class and they've got that, that gleam in their eyes. You're like, you want to do this. You definitely want to do this. But they're, they're scared to take that first step. They're scared to take themselves out of their comfort zone and put themselves in front of other people. And why? What are they afraid of? Are they afraid that we're going to beat them up? Maybe a small portion of them are. Are they afraid that we're, you know, that, um, they're not going to be able to learn it or handle it? Maybe. Are they afraid of perhaps looking stupid or making mistakes? Sure. But here's the thing. There are so many things in your life that will create that fear and anxiety. And if you allow that fear and anxiety to stop you, well, then you'll never, you'll never know what's on the other side of that fear. But success, the things that you're after, the, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, they lie on the other side of that fear, right? It's like the old story about the Billy Goat's Croft where they're trying to cross the bridge and get to the other side where, you know, the green, green grass is for them to eat. Yeah, that all those green pastures that we dream about, they're on the other side of fear, right? Listen, you want to you want to start a business like my man, John Matos, we talked to last week. You, you got to take a leap of faith. You got to put yourself out there, but you got to take some risk. Is it something that could build you, fill you with fear? A hundred percent. Should it? Yeah. But even more importantly is what comes if we face that fear? Because the one thing that you can do, guarantee with fear is you can guarantee a lack of success by never trying, by letting the fear defeat you before it even happens. Or you could wind up living a life that you've never dreamed. You could wind up reaching heights that you've never dreamed simply because you face that fear. So this is the week, if you're listening to this message, where you need to take that chance, where you need to put yourself out there that little bit, where you need to talk to that person that intimidates you, whether it's that person you got a little bit of a crush on and you want to you know, see about getting a date going there, whether it's your boss, you want to ask for a raise or whatever, whether it's anything else like that, whether it's starting that Tiger Shulman's class that you're too intimidated to take, that you're not sure if you can handle. This is the week to do it. I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you the directions. Face that fear. Do it this week. Start it this week. Even if the thing you're going you're gonna to face is many weeks away, start the process of facing that fear today because 
on the other side of that fear is the glory. Right? All things in life that are worth doing have a ring of fear around them. And the only way we succeed at them is by busting through that fear. So that's all I have for you guys this week. As always, you guys can reach me via email, senseileonelli at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at sensei underscore Leonelli. Again, I've been trying to step my Twitter game up a little bit thanks to Ben the Bane Davis. So by all means, check me out there. On Facebook, I'm Sensei James Leonelli. You can find my school online at tsksmithtown.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tigershulmansmithtown. You can find us <clears throat> on Twitter and Instagram at tsmma underscore smithtown. You can find out more about the Tiger Shulman's organization as a whole at tsk.com. You can find everywhere I'm on the internet at my link tree, linktr.ee slash senseileonelli, S-E-N-S-E-I-L-E-O-N-E-L-L-I. That is all my social media attached to it. That has Flex Fights, their tickets, where you can watch the on-demand of this last event, or where you can get tickets for our next event coming up in October, Night of the Fighting Dead. It's going to be a Halloween-themed show. I'm very excited for it, so I'd love to see you guys there. And if not, I'd love to hear that you listen to the pay-per-view. That would certainly be awesome as well. Other than that, my friends, remember sponsorship opportunities are available. Get in touch with me through my link tree. Other than that, make sure that you guys subscribe, get your new episodes every Wednesday. Make sure that you guys leave a rate and a review. It just helps. But the single most important thing I need you guys to, for, to do for me is share the podcast. I love seeing the views and download numbers go up. So the more that you guys are sharing that podcast, the podcast, the more you're sharing it on YouTube or on Spotify or whatever, it's the only form of advertising I have. And I very much appreciate when I see you guys doing it. So thank you in advance. So until next time, my friends, invest in yourselves. I'll see you guys on the map.